You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. We've got a few people missing today, don't we? Yeah. Uh, so Pastor Ashley's home. He'll be worried sick about what's going on here now. You know, <laughs> we're taking over. <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Hey? Oh, oh, always full of encouragement, Simon. <laughs> there you go. So he actually had earlier this week, Pastor Ashley, unfortunately, had a... Uh, COVID close contact incident, so he's home doing the right thing, as we would expect of him. Not that he wants to, but, you know. And, of course, some other people, Anna and Pastor Jody and a few other ladies are away on a retreat, so it's all good stuff, but look at us, we're here, we're doing our thing and having a lot of fun, aren't we? So, as we said before, what's our thing? How did you guess that? Amazing. <laughs> right there. The God of the second chance. And, you know, sometimes we just need to be reminded again and again and again just how, how good and amazing God is with us. He just lets us keep trying and trying and trying and just keeps working with us, doesn't he? I want to, I want to start off, I want to read a passage from, from Scripture from the book of Psalms. So from Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God of merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's, that's pretty big. When you think about what he's actually saying there, man, that's, that's really showing how big and amazing and wonderful God is. Merciful and gracious. You might not understand what that is, but mercy and grace are kind of like the mirror opposites of each other and they work together. So mercy is we don't get what we deserve because what we deserve a lot of the time is a good smack around the bottom, isn't it? Because we don't always get it right, do we? We sometimes just have trouble doing the right thing, don't we? But, But God doesn't give us what we deserve. That's his mercy. But... On the other side of it, what he does give us is what we don't deserve. He gives us everything that we don't deserve to bless us and make us have a a better life than we otherwise would. He helps us in our lives. And then he's slow to anger. I tell you what, I'm pretty thankful for that. I'm very happy that God's not a God who's fast to anger. Because I would be in a fair bit of trouble, I reckon. (laughs) Abounding, that means it just keeps going. Abounding in steadfast love. Abounding in steadfast love. It's big, it's huge, and it never ends. It just keeps going. It's steadfast. In love and faithfulness. He's on our side. That's what faithfulness is. He's forever on our side. He's forever wanting to do what's best for us. That's his faithfulness towards us. That's, that's pretty good, isn't it? 
I, I think that's amazing and wonderful. And we, we do have trouble sometimes doing the right thing, don't we? It's just such a struggle sometimes. And there's a few people, a few people in the Bible that we can learn from. And, and when we learn, we, we, we start to understand just how a wonderful God we have. I think of Peter the Apostle. Remember, we not know about Peter the Apostle, right? But do we remember, remember when Peter denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. Three times in the one night he denied Jesus. No, no, I'm not with him. No, no, I don't know him. Never, never seen the man before. Got nothing to do with him. Three times in the one night. Incredible. What, what that must have felt like for Peter when, he, when, he, when it weighed down on him, when he realised what he'd done, how guilty, how terrible would he have felt afterwards when he realised what he'd done, you know? It was, he was just afraid, you know. He denied Jesus for his own protection. He was afraid of being punished and, and possibly killed himself for, for being associated with Jesus. So just out of fear, that's why he did it. But afterwards, he would, have, he would have felt terrible. You know, just like we do sometimes when we do something wrong and we just know, oh, no, I've messed up. What have I done? Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. You know, but... but God is faithful. Jesus, later on, forgave him after his resurrection, came and saw him and said, do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, yep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Okay, go feed my sheep. Just like that. It was all over in a second. Like from being someone who had done that to the Lord to being called by the Lord to feed his sheep. But to feed his sheep, that was a, a kind of a picture to say, teach my people, go and teach my people the gospel. Teach, teach them about me. Let them know what the gospel is. Amazing thing. That's his second chance, you see. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what I want? Oh, gosh. And then it went further because, you know, uh, if we read in the book of Acts, in, in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit comes and falls on the church and, and on, the, on the group that were gathered there and all sorts of things happen and the people outside were wondering what on earth's going on here. They thought they were drunk. They weren't. It was early in the morning. I mean, who'd get drunk early in the morning? Well, some people do, but, you know, they weren't. It was just the Holy Spirit moving on them. And Peter, of all people gets up and preaches the first Christian sermon after Jesus. Incredible. Second chance. Not only second chance, but he would have felt rock bottom and now he's up here. He's flying, floating. He knew the Lord had given him a second chance, had forgiven him and given him another chance. And then shortly after that in Acts chapter 3, if you go read it, it talks about him going into the temple. And guess what happens? There's a lame man. That's a, a, someone who can't walk because of something wrong with his legs or his spine. And he's, he's laying by the gate of the temple, wasn't allowed in because of his affliction. And uh, he, he's, he's asking people for some money to help him live, you know, so he can buy some food and whatever. Peter and John are walking past and they said, look, 
Peter says, look, I, I, can't, I can't give you any money. I've got nothing. I've got no silver or gold or anything like that. But I tell you what I can do for you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He got healed right there on the spot. And got up. How good is that? There's, that's that second chance just fully playing out in Peter's life. One minute he's denying Jesus. A few weeks later, preaching the first sermon and healing somebody. That's second chances. And that can be you and I. God's full of second chances for us as well. I, I like that story. Do you like that story? Oh, that's a fantastic story. One of the lessons from that, though, is that Jesus gave Peter a second chance. But the important thing is, Peter took hold of it. Right? He took hold of it and changed his life and walked in that second chance and and lived a much better life as a result. That's what we need to learn sometimes. Because sometimes we get bogged down and we let it play in our minds, don't we? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. We should just go, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Know that he's forgiven you, and then we just, I'm, I'm just going to do better for him and walk. We talked about that this morning in this morning's service, about, about you know, just walking on in, in what Christ has done for us, becoming better for him. And that's what Peter did. He took hold of that second chance and made use of it, became better for it. Now, another second chance that I think is really very important to learn from is one that is a little bit tricky. Who remembers King David in the Old Testament? Right? So King David's very, very important to the Jews because he's the one that they look back to because he was the king who made the great nation of Israel he was the king. Even today, the symbol for Israel is the star of the star of David. They still, to this day, look to him as as somebody who who is preeminent in their history, because he was a, such a great king. He, he really made Israel the nation that they always wanted it to be. Later on, it, it kind of fell apart again and became Israel and Judah. And then later on, when the you know, the Assyrians and then the Babylonians or whatever came and wrecked it all and it all ended up in a bit of a mess. But King David was an amazing man and the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. Do you understand what that means? That, that means that David kind of had a heart. His, his, his thinking was similar to what God's was. His priorities were God's priorities and the things that he wanted most in life were the things that God wanted most, you know. That's something for us to kind of seek after, isn't it? To have a, to have a heart after God, that'd be, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Eh? Nothing would stop us, I don't reckon. But he had a little bit of a mishap. He made a very bad decision based on what his flesh was telling him one day. He got tempted. He see, he saw this lady, this young lady, Bathsheba. She was having a bath, which is okay. We should do that every now and again, shouldn't we? The problem is she was having a bath on the roof of the house 
And David could see her from up in his palace. And he thought to himself, I wouldn't mind getting to know that little young lady a bit better. Kind of. So King David, his mind just went to all sorts of places and lust got the better of him. Temptation got the better of him. And before he knew it, he was wanting to have an affair with Bathsheba. A terrible thing. He even went as far as to have her husband killed. It didn't work the first time. He had to, had to get somebody to try it a second time before Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, actually ended up being killed. I mean, how bad is that? That this man who, who was a man who really feared the Lord and lived for God allowed temptation to get to him to that point. It's pretty sad, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I, don't, I would struggle to think that any of us here would do that, have somebody killed just so we could be with their partner, their, their wife or husband. That would be just terrible. But you see, even in that, God worked a miracle of second chance because hundreds and hundreds of years later, out of that came Jesus. In, in the book of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, right? the very first thing you read is the genealogy, that is, you know, the family line, going back, he had this child and he, that child had this child and this child, and it goes on. I just would like to read a little bit of it to you because it's actually a bit of a revelation on God's second chance. So it actually goes from... Matthew chapter 1, from verse 1 through to verse 16 is where I'm going to go to, but I won't read all of it, don't worry. Don't need to go to sleep just yet. And it reads, Matthew chapter 1, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And then we get down to verse 6. And Jesse the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Interesting that he throws that in there. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ, or Messiah, as the, the, the Jews would have known it. But I found that, I found that, as I read this, I thought, that's very interesting that Matthew, in writing this, points out, it doesn't do it elsewhere, he just goes through them, and then he gets to David and says, David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Matthew is pointing out David's fault. He's pointing out where David made a mistake, where he let temptation get the better of him. That I found interesting because even though that happened, and, and for, for Jews to read this, they would not have liked it. They, they wouldn't have liked that, that David's fault was pointed out as part of the genealogy. But then, 
later on, he goes on to show that through that line still came Jesus, who was a second chance to the whole world. Right? So King David's second chance was not just for him, it was for all of us, because it was Jesus. How good is that? That in Christ, in Jesus, we all have a second chance. Instead of saying how wonderful and magnificent King David was, he points out the failure so that he can also point out God's biggest second chance to all of us. The same God who turned that terrible situation of David and Bathsheba into the path through which Jesus would be born is the same God who forgives you and me of all of our failures, all of them. None of them are too big. We may think we've done things that are too big for God to forgive. None of them are too big. Just think of David. What he did was pretty bad. Right? He forgives you and me of our failures and mistakes and gives us another chance. Not just a second chance, but over and over and over again. It's, it's endless chances. And the chances only stop when life stops. We never run out of chances with God. We only run out of time. He's the God who can turn our brokenness and our mess into great things for his glory and our joy. I just want to go a bit further into that. Let's... let's See the hope that we have in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 28. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You could stop there. That would be enough, wouldn't it? God's Spirit is here to help us in our weaknesses. How good is that? For we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now that last little bit, verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, it's been my experience, and I can attest to the fact that sometimes when I fall into some temptation or or, or make a mistake or fail in some way, God is there to turn it into something good. Somehow he works it to help me to grow, to help somebody else to see something, to just... That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That Even when we fail, even when we fall, God's Spirit is there to turn it into something good, to make something good out of what is bad. And I want to encourage everyone here today, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how your life has lived, what's turned out, you've never done anything so big that God can't turn it into good. That's his love and his forgiveness, his grace and his mercy as we were talking about earlier.
It's incredible that God would want to take all my failures and mistakes and somehow make something good come of them. Really? I mean, I struggle with this stuff. It's, it's something, I, you know, I just, I, if I look at myself in the flesh, as I am, I go, ah, oh, what a dud. I've messed up, you know, I've really, and yet God just keeps putting blessing in my life and, and leading me to things that I would never have guessed he would do. I mean, what the heck am I doing up here talking to you people for? That's just dumb. Shouldn't happen. <laughs> but the point is, God's not after perfect people. He's after humble, repentant people. There's a difference. He doesn't want us to be perfect because he knows we can't be. And we shouldn't put that load on ourselves. He just wants us to be honest and humble and repentant. He wants us to feel sorry when we do do bad and he'll forgive us and keep us. Come on, keep going again. Come on. Those second chances just keep coming. He forgives and works to make something good out of it all, even if it's to teach me something so I can grow a little bit more each and every day. There's nothing you or I can do to upset God enough that he won't continue to love and work in our lives to make us and everything about our lives better each and every day. That's the primary work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to make us better, better people, better Christians, better for him and better for everybody else and better for ourselves as well. The Apostle Paul, I mean, there's an example for us. If you'll, you'll know a little bit about the Apostle Paul. You should read the New Testament. It's, it's, the book of Acts in particular has some incredible stories about the, the, the travel of Paul, full of all sorts of incredible things. And then he went on to, to write a fair chunk of the New Testament. Incredible. He said this in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. So he's acknowledging that we, by ourselves, really struggle to do anything that's good, to be honest. right? For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Amen? Anybody else? Yeah? I don't know. It's just, no, not Glenn. No, he's very holy. Don't take your mask off the glow will kill us. <laughs> but that's so true, isn't it? We struggle sometimes to do the things we want to do that are right. And it's just, oh, no, not again. And immediately we know we've, we've done it out again. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. It's so, I can so relate to that. It's so true. But hold on. This is the Apostle Paul. This is a guy who took the, the, the gospel to the world. All of Europe and, and all the southeast, um, sorry, all the Middle East there, the gospel went everywhere through that whole region because of him. Quite incredible. He kept stumbling. He didn't want to. 
And God, in his mercy and grace, kept using Paul and leading him to do great things and mighty things anyway, just like he wants to do with you and me. As much as that is hard to believe, it's true. doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you are, what your situation is in life, God wants to take you and use you to do good in the lives of others, to make a difference in this world. And isn't that what we want? To, don't we want God to use us to make a difference in the world? I do. We know we fail, just like Paul. And we do the wrong things. But if we don't want to do the wrong things, that's the thing. You know, like, like we heard earlier, God reads our hearts. Right? He knows what we really want and how hard it is for us. And that, that's, that's where he looks. God will forgive us and he'll work to help us become better people and equip us, not just help us to get better, but then he'll equip us, he'll go further on top of that. Equip us to do his work and bless others. We just need to be thankful for his second chances and his third and his fourth and his fifth and his sixth. His forever chances. He never ends. And to give us and to give our lives to him so that he can do as he wants in us and through us. Is that what you want? Yeah? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're so much bigger than us. We thank you, Lord, that despite all of our weaknesses and failings, despite our brokenness, Lord, you're there with arms open wide to hold us, to lead us, to guide us, to work in us and through us, Lord. You forgive us. And your constant heart is to raise us up again and again and again to keep us going forward in you through faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that you are there for us. And we give you the glory. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.